We're going to continue on with our series. Actually, this is the final one. It's the final track of 2023. Uh, and then in the month of December, we have either Fellowship Sundays on Sunday or 1030 only. So you can take note of that with the holiday schedule. Um, but this will be the final one on apostolic doctrine. And what we're going to do when this class ends uh, what we're going to do is after we get updated on our podcast, we're going to upload all of these lessons on our podcast. So whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcast, you can go back and listen to all of the Apostolic Doctrine teaching that's happened at 930 right here in the sanctuary that we've done over the last little bit. Let me give you a recap of what we've done very quickly, and then we'll get into what we're going to do today. In week one, back in early October... Uh, Pastor Gaddy talked about the oneness of God. It's a core foundational, it's, a, it's the starting place really for apostolic doctrine. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And so we started there, that was our beginning. We went to next, sin, faith, and repentance, and Pastor Larry talked about that. And what is sin, and what is a person that needs to have faith that they can come out of that sin? How do they do that? They repent. And so Pastor Larry talked about that. That's one of you know, the core doctrines, even in Hebrews chapter number 6. And then we move from that to the doctrine of baptisms, plural. That was mentioned in Hebrews 6 as well, and that's water and spirit baptism. And we still have some of those handouts. If you would like one, come see me. We'll make sure you get that. We transitioned from there to two lessons on holiness. We talked about inward holiness, and then we talked about outward holiness. Now, the reason we did that, it's because the Spirit of God, as we talked about in those classes, it works from the inside out. So we have to be holy on the inside, which produces holiness on the outside. So both of them matter. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He who has, you ready, clean hands and a pure heart. Both matter, outside, inside. They both matter. Holiness is important for that matter. And then, and then last week, Pastor Larry talked about being missional. Now, people confuse that and think, well, that's just like the mission of the church is to spread the gospel. Our doctrine is a moving doctrine. Our doctrine moves us to share with somebody else. It's a missional thing. It is not just a, we keep it to ourselves, but because of the doctrine that we've experienced, we share it with someone else. And then today, we're going to cap it off finally with the demonstration of the Spirit. As apostolics, we believe that the Spirit of God wants to manifest or demonstrate amongst us when we gather together. So in this time, in this gathering, we're going to talk about the demonstration of the Spirit. Now, I'm going to give you my points all up front. So if you're a note taker, you're in luck. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to give you all, all my points up front. So Lane, if you don't mind to put that up on the screen. Here's the things I'm going to talk about today for the next several moments in this class. In an apostolic church, when it comes to the demonstration of God's Spirit, this is what you should see. So here's, here's what it is. In an apostolic church, you should see a demonstrative worship service. There should be worship by the people that's demonstrative. A lot of uh, we'll talk about this here in a moment, but there's always questions and the differences and some churches worship this way and people come into a Pentecostal church and they're a little fearful or like, what, what are they doing? 
why do other churches do this? In an apostolic church, there is demonstrative worship. Second part of that, in an apostolic church, you should see, now the first word is really key. Are you ready? You should see a healthy demonstration of the Spirit. Now, there is, on the counter side, there is an unhealthy demonstration of the Spirit. You'll see that in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, because Paul addresses some things. So you should see demonstrative worship, and you should see uh, a healthy demonstration of the Spirit. And then finally, you should see united activity from the body. So you should see these things. This should be witnessed in an apostolic church. Now, I want you to notice something. This is not just an apostolic church service, but an apostolic church, the body of believers, these are the things that should come together. So it's not just, or this is what you should see, it's not just a thing of like, well, any time that we gather on Sunday, that is a part of it. But this, ladies and gentlemen, this is who we are as people that are apostolics or, or modeling after the ap- apostles of the first century church. This is who we are. So let me talk about demonstrative worship for a second. Let me give you kind of some background on that. In Through worship, we are reaching and responding to the Spirit of God. In worship, that's essentially what we're doing. We are reaching and responding to the Spirit of God. We're reaching for Him because we believe He's holy and He's good. We're reaching Him because He deserves our praise and our worship. And we're reaching for all the things that He has for us. And we are responding to His Spirit that's working in the room. So that's why you will see people lift their hands. And you will see people cry out to God. You'll see people worship before Him in different manners. Because we are reaching and responding to the Spirit of God. As apostolics, we believe that where two or three are gathered together in His name, He is here. So in that, we reach and respond to the fact that we believe he gathers with us. And we stand on that scripture that when we gather, we reach and respond to him. We give our service order over to him. Now, I will say this, and and we can argue about semantics and different things and talk about it, but we're not given over to programming. There are... There are places and things that program how certain things should go. Well, we want to be a people that respond to the Spirit of God and how He's moving and working. And I believe, and I think it's pretty commonplace, that churches can program out the moving of God's Spirit. That you can say, this song's going to last 3 minutes and 32 seconds. And then the announcement, guys, got to be a minute and 58. And then the next thing has to be this. And you know, there's something to be said for doing things in a nice order. However, what if God wants to do something in a need that somebody walked in the door with and my schedule or plan has eliminated that? We want to be people, again, in through worship that reach and respond to his presence. We want to present ourselves and do what is best and excellent, but we believe that the best thing is to let God work. And let his spirit move. That's what we believe is the best thing. Now, look at Acts chapter number 2. I ran, I ran across this um, a couple of years ago. And I believe that this is such a good thing about, such a great teaching moment, a great point in scripture. About when people come in to a church and they see maybe a different style or they see something. Acts chapter number 2. 
we're going to read down several verses all the way uh, down through, uh, through 14 and then down even a little farther than that, 16, 17. We'll read down a little bit. So Acts chapter number 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them divided tongues as of fire and sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem certain devout men, Jews from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speaking in his own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear each, each in our own language, in which we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Fulmanthia, Egypt from Rome and both of the, from Libya joining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking, they are full of new wine. Now this is important, right here. What we just read, all this, this last little bit, when they saw how these people were acting, when they saw how these people were showing a demonstrative form of worship, they immediately thought, well, they, they've got to be, they're all drunk. And some of them mocked, some of them were amazed, there were different reactions. Let me tell you something, that happened then and it still happens today. People are still, they'll still come into an atmosphere like that and they'll see, oh wait, like what are they, what are these people doing? Some are amazed, some are perplexed, some are confused, there's different responses that come. But listen, there has to be something this is important, for them to look at and have a response to. Now, this is what I want to get to. Let's keep reading for a second. Peter stood up, verse 14, with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as ye suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. Watch. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, if you've been at an apostolic church service for any length of time, you've heard people preach about this is that. You've heard that phrase. It's a popular phrase in an apostolic church service, this is that. Let me break it down for you a little bit. And this is what was kind of shown to me in Scripture a few years ago. What is this? In the context of this story, you need to think about, for a second, we need to consider, what, are, what is Peter saying this is? He's saying, yes, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, but he's also talking about the worship that's happening in the room. So he's telling all of these peoples, all these people, this that you're seeing with your eyes, this response that's happening, this behavior, this worship, this crying out to God, this, this infilling of the Spirit, this is that. 
So ladies and gentlemen, it is no different today when someone comes in. They ought to see this. Does that make sense? They ought to see this happen in the place. They ought to see people demonstratively worship God. Does that mean we do things wild or out of order? Absolutely not. But at the day of Pentecost, their behavior spoke to them, well, these people must be drunk. Well, wait a second. No, this is the moving of God's spirit and people reaching and responding for his spirit. And because of that, we see the model of the first century church that this type of worship is exactly how apostolics respond. There is demonstrative worship in an apostolic church. Psalm 100, 1 through 4 says, Make a joyful noise all unto the Lord all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord he is God. It's he that made us, not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. That's not a thanksgiving verse. That's a lifestyle verse. That's how we ought to approach everything. Psalm 150 says, praise ye the Lord. Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. We take that and we respond in obedience to the word of God and we worship God demonstratively. They did it then, we do it now. And in an apostolic church service, I know there are churches that gather and they worship a certain way. Maybe their hands are folded, maybe they're real serene and quiet. Maybe they just sit back and and they soak it all in. And I do agree that in some forms you can sit back and soak in. But the Bible and our example teaches us that there should be a worship that arises out of us in a responding and a reaching towards God. It gives us that command to praise ye the Lord. In Hebrews 2 and 12 it says, Saying, I declare unto my brethren, in the midst of the church will I sing praises unto thee. I'm going to lift my voice. Paul and Silas lifted their voice in prison. There is a response. People should see, hear, and know worship should be that way there is a demonstrative part to it our worship we lift our voices we pray there's music there's singing there's dancing there's clapping there's lifting of our hands because that's what happened in the pages of scripture and if they worshiped God that way as our examples we worship God in that same way in an apostolic church service you will see a demonstrative worship as we respond and reach for the spirit of God now Second point that we're going to talk about today, in an apostolic church service, you should see a healthy demonstration of the Spirit. We believe in the gifts and the operations of the Spirit of God, and we embrace and encourage the moving of God's Spirit in a healthy, biblical manner. We encourage it. We believe it. Now, if you were to open your Bible, and we're going to read some of these passages, some of them, but if you were to open your Bible, you're going to see in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, great teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. You're going to see Paul expound on the gifts and their place. These passages are written to a church that was, you ready, 
they were already operating in the gifts. They just needed some correction on how it worked and what to do. So they were a church that were already participating in the gifts of the Spirit. They were doing it. Now, were they wrong in some areas? Absolutely. Were they carnal in some areas? Absolutely. But that didn't limit the moving and the working of God's Spirit. They just had to alter some of their behaviors and actions so they could align properly with how things work and the Word of God. So, many churches stay away from these giftings because they don't believe they're, today, they're for today. There is no indication in Scripture that the gifts of the Spirit have stopped. There's no indication of it. There's no thing that says they, they were only for them and not for our era. And if it happened in the Word of God, we stand on that and we believe it and teach it and practice it and pursue after it. So, we have Paul's writings and admonitions on the how, the why, the what, and the when to operate in the gifts. And of course, this is a, a condensed class, so I don't have time to go through everything. But I do want to point out some things. We believe in a healthy demonstration of the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. Let me read this real quick, and then I'm going to give you seven reasons, real, real, very briefly, why we believe, why we are given the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 through 12. Now, there are diversities of gifts, that's important, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, again, it's important, but the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one it is given by the Spirit, the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, and to other interpretation of tongues. Now watch, as he's listed not the nine gifts of the Spirit, there's more, but he's lifted these here. But now watch this verse, what it phrases. But all these worketh, that one and selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members, all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. He has given us these giftings for a reason and purpose. He has... A, he has Blessed and in doubt, he's the giver. He's the one that gives and provides that into us to walk in, to operate in, to practice in. Now here's why we have the gifts of the Spirit. First Peter 4 and 10 is a great reason. I'm going to give you some other reasons with it. As every man hath received the gift, even so ministered the same one to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. I do not want to take the gifts of the Spirit to profit me. I want to operate and pursue the gifts of the Spirit, the demonstration of His Spirit, the manifestation of His Spirit, so that I can minister to others, so that the body can profit because of what God has given me and what's allowed to flow through my life. Here's seven reasons why we are given the gifts. Number one, it is to bring glory to God. Number one, first and foremost, 
We are given the gifts. I'm not, I'm not the one that gave myself any gifting I have. God gave it. So my job responsibly is to turn back the glory to him. It's him to get the glory. That's in 1 Peter 4 and 11. Number two, and I'm trying to hurry, and I'll give you the scripture reference. For Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. Number two is to strengthen the body of Christ. My, I've seen people, you've seen people maybe, that have used giftings that have harmed or hurt the body. Ephesians 4 gives us a different thing. We are to edify or build up the body because of the giftings and the things that he's put in place. So giftings should bring glory to God. They should strengthen the body of Christ. Number three, they should develop unity in the body of Christ. Ephesians 4 and 3, it's endeavor to keep the unity in the, of the Spirit. Ephesians 4 and 13, till we all come to the unity of faith. Ephesians 4 is a great passage for the gifts of the Spirit and how God wants to move and work. We need to develop unity through the gifts of the Spirit. Number four, to develop maturity in the body. We want people to mature and grow. Jesus asked us, commanded us to be perfect. Now that word perfect doesn't mean it in the North American context. If you've got to do everything right. That word perfect means to mature. Our job is to let the Spirit of God operate through us, work through us, and mature us. And mature the body as well. Number five, to edify the body of Christ. Ephesians 4 and 16, to cause growth of the body to edify of itself in love. Number six, and this is in 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 25. I'm happy to share my notes with you as well. I know I'm going fast. Number six, healthy demonstration of the Spirit is a benefit to the believer and the unbeliever. A healthy demonstration of the Spirit is a benefit to the believer and the the unbeliever. Now, I actually am going to read this lane. So go to 1 Corinthians 15. I want to read this and then I'll give you number 7 and then we'll go on to my last point. Because I think this is really, really important. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 14, excuse me. 1 Corinthians 14, uh, starting at verse number 22. He's in this chapter, he's talking about tongues. And he's speaking about the gift of tongues being in operation. And Here's essentially what's happening in 1 Corinthians chapter number 14. He's trying to correct behavior that's happening inside the church that's incorrect. So he's trying to bring them and give them sound teaching and instruction how the gift of tongues and prophesying and those things should work inside the church. 1 Corinthians 14. Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not them that believe not, but for them which believe. If therefore, now, now I want you to notice, in this passage, he's talking to the believer and the unbeliever. Both are being addressed in this passage. Verse 23, if therefore the whole church be come together into one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that they are mad? They will. If they come in and it's just a wild, everybody's doing their own thing here in the sanctuary and people walk in, they're going to walk right in and walk right out. Because they're going to see that, that behavior is very abnormal and strange. That, 
There, there is a place and time for it. This is not, let me, let me clarify something. This is not saying that we should not speak in tongues. And this is not saying that we should stop those type of things. What it's saying is that, and you'll read it the rest of the passage, what it is saying is things should be done decently and in order. Submitted under, under spiritual authority is also in that. The, the spirit is subject to the prophets. So it's also a way that this works according to the word of God. But watch this. If all prophesy and there come in one that believeth not, nor one that's unlearned. Now this is so good. And why the gifts of the spirit have to operate in the church. This next little part that I'm going to read to you is proof that we need the operation of the gifts of the Spirit in this hour. Right here is what it says. If all prophesy and there come one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all. He is judged of all. Watch, 25. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. Let me tell you why we want the gifts of the Spirit to operate. Let me tell you why we want prophesying to take place in this church on Sundays. And we want the gift of tongues and the gift of healings. We want the operation of the Spirit of God. Because when people come in, they can know of a truth God is in you. God is in this place. There is no way the secrets of my heart would have been made manifest any other way but by the Spirit of God. Of God, There are some people that are so twisted and their, their thought process, there are some people that are so lost and they're so moved out of the way of God, only by a manifestation of God's spirit and them coming in that type of environment, would they see something different is about these people. Something is in the, God is in them of a truth. So, let, so this is why we want the operation of the gifts of the spirit. In our midst, and we're not going to program them out or, or silence them. We do things in decency and in order, but we want the Spirit of God to be made manifest. We want it. Healthy demonstration, that's number six, of the Spirit is a benefit to the unbeliever. And last one, number seven, before I move on to my final point. The gifts of the Spirit are free to operate, but they are submitted to spiritual authority and the word for protection. Now, I mentioned that a second ago, 1 Corinthians 14, 32. The spirit is subject to the prophets. That's why, that's why we have to have spiritual leadership that helps guide the operating of the gifts and lead things and help instruct and teach because you don't want it to be a free-for-all. You want it to be decently and in order and working according to the word of God. So it is submitted. That's another principle and why we're given the gifts. Last thing I'm going to talk about, and I have about five minutes to finish on this, Last thing that I want to cover is a healthy or an apostolic church will have a, a demonstrative worship, a healthy demonstration of God's spirit, and it's united activity for the body. So there's a lot of things that we can offshoot from this, but here's what I want you to do. Would you turn with a passage to me, Acts chapter number 4. Acts chapter number 4, let's look at this as we... As I wrap up our time together, I want you to see something inside of this passage of the early church and how the Spirit of God moved and worked and their response to it. Acts chapter number 4, we're going to read a little bit and I'm going to bring out some points in it. Remember, 
in an apostolic church, there should be united activity from the body. So here's what Acts chapter number 4 says. So when they had further threatened them, so essentially some of the disciples got in trouble for healing. And so they came and they threatened them not to preach or teach in the name of Jesus anymore. And they decided to let them go. And this is what verse 21 is at. When they would further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing that they could punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old of whom this miracle of healing showed. And being let go. Now, when they got persecuted, they didn't just run to their corner and hide. But when they got persecuted, when they were let go, they went about to their own company and reported the, uh, all that the chief priests and elders said to them. And when they heard that, they all lifted up their voice to God with one accord. Now, the world may respond certain ways to accusations, and the world may respond certain ways to threats. But let me tell you how the church ought to respond. We ought to call a united prayer meeting and gather together and call on the name of the Lord. Their response to the times was not to go run or or, or be ashamed or fearful, but their response was a united action of prayer. They all got together and they prayed. That's how the church should respond in today's world. We should come together. And they said in their prayer, Lord, thou art God and hast made the heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. That means he has all dominion. Verse 25, whom by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? And the kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against the holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. And by stretching forth thine hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed. They finished their prayer. And when they prayed, a demonstration of the spirit moved in the room. This is this is how the first century church responded. This is our promise for what we should do. The Spirit of God moved in and demonstrated itself. The place was shaken where they were assembled. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness. There was a demonstration when they gathered together according to the times that they were in. And their united response because of it. They gathered together and they prayed and there was a demonstration of His Spirit. Now watch, that's not the only united thing that happened. That's not the only thing. And the multitude of them that believed, this is verse 32, were of one heart and one soul, neither said any of them that ought the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. So not only did their united prayer produce a demonstration of the Spirit of God, but the Spirit of God produced them a unity of the Spirit together. They didn't look at their stuff as saying, well, this is mine and this is yours. They all came together and agreed that what they had, they were going to work together. They were going to be together in these times. 
There was a united action, a united spirit that came together. Verse 33, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was among them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as there were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of those things which were sold. And laid them at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. So not only did they unite in their prayer, and not only did a demonstration of the Spirit happen, and not only were there a unity of Spirit, but you ready? There was a unity in giving. And listen, there are times when the Spirit of God moves that we give because the first church gave. And that is an action or an activity as we unite together. We, a couple years ago now, we had a sacrificial offering that we gave up on a Sunday. Nobody was prepared for it. And a record amount of money was given on that day. Did you know that's biblical? We should give systematically. And the book, the Bible teaches that in 1 Corinthians. And then it teaches in tithing and other spots. We should give systematically. But we also should give sacrificially. As men hath need and as situations arise. That is an activity of unity of the body. Of us coming together and our response to the Spirit of God that's at work. In an apostolic church, you're going to see those things happen. You're going to see a demonstrative worship. You're going to see a healthy demonstration of the Spirit. And you're going to see a united activity, action, from the body of Christ. Stand with me if you will. Now here's what I want us to pray and I, I, I believe that I will mention this as in service before pastor preaches and at different points maybe at the beginning what we ought to pray for right now in this room right now after this teaching is for the gift of faith to be in operation we need our eyes to see things the way God wants us to see things what if today God wants to heal an incurable disease What if today God wants to fill a prodigal with the Holy Ghost again? What if today God wants to see someone baptized or see a miracle in someone's body? What if that's today? I believe it could be if we will gather together and pray in the spirit of faith for God to work. Would you lift your hands with me and ask God for his faith. Ask for faith to fill your heart, your eyes, your mind. Lord, we believe that the gift of faith can operate in this room if we ask. And Lord... We are uniting together. We are agreeing and standing on your word. And we are praying, Lord, that you would help us and meet us in this place. We want the believer to be edified. We want the unbeliever to turn to you, God. So we open ourselves up to the operation of the gifts of your spirit. We want a healthy demonstration. We want to to respond in demonstrative worship. And God, we want to unite together and believe that you're going to meet us in this place here and now. God, we respond and reach for your presence. We worship you, God. Let the gift of faith be in this house. Let people see things as you see things. Let people respond as you prompt and give. God, let your spirit confirm your word with signs following. We proclaim it and believe it. Would you clap your hands and thank the Lord for work, for what he's going to do and how he's going to work? We bless you, Jesus. Today could be the day for a miracle. 
when you gather in here, after we're going to gather in the prayer room and you ought to join us in there. And when we gather back in the sanctuary, we ought to worship God. We ought to expect a demonstration. We ought to agree together that today could be the day for the miraculous. Let's do that together in Jesus' name. Thanks for being at Tracks today. God bless.